What's up everybody, GenX Dividend Investor here. In this compelling video I tell you why dividend investors should be smiling in 2023, so please do me a favor and hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click the bell notification. So this last weekend I was talking to a new Patreon aristocrat of mine named Bro Green about how dividend investing is an amazing way to create generational wealth, and he shared an insight that I thought would be worth passing on. Basically he said that a farmer who plants an acorn in the ground will have to wait 20 to 30 years for it to grow into a tree capable of sprouting acorns itself. And that's kind of like someone who wants to create generational wealth via quality dividend stocks, because it will take a long time for the fruits of their labor to truly become prolific, and that you'll need to have the foresight to start planting those cash trees one by one. You could very well be the person who starts your family's history of wealth because you're willing to invest rather than spend. You're willing to play the long game, and by long, I mean perhaps even longer than your life. I believe that you literally can be the one who sets the wheels in motion for your lineage to become billionaires, not just millionaires. And yes, I know that something like 70% of inherited wealth is lost by the first generation, and 90% lose it in the generation after that. But if you are someone who has a goal of true generational wealth, then you'll also realize that you'll need to really teach your kids about money and financial education so that they do what most people don't do, which is to manage money properly. The acorns you're planting today with your $20 weekly investments into your dividend stocks will turn into giant acorn-wielding trees decades down the road. Now everyone listening to this video is at some stage of investing. Some are just learning about dividends, others have bought a stock or two and are just starting to get some returns. All the way out to the people who've been investing for decades and that have acorns and cash falling into their laps due to careful planning that started long ago. It doesn't really matter where you are in that investing journey, it just matters that you've started, that you don't quit, and that you invest rationally. From my brief conversation with Bro Green, I could tell he was a cup half full kind of person, i.e. someone who has a positive outlook on life. And that's exactly the type of person who should do very well with long-term dividend investing and creating generational wealth. You want to be someone who can take the punches and find the silver lining and keep moving forward. You need to be someone who believes in yourself and what you're doing. The man who says he can and the man who says he cannot are both correct, said Confucius. So believe in yourself. It's okay to have bought a crappy stock that lost money. It's okay to have not started investing until you're 60. It's okay to feel discouraged by things that seem too slow. Anything you start doing takes a long time to really get going. The key is to not quit. And if you commit to yourself you're going to keep going, then that alone should bring a smile to your face. Any dividend investor who studies the history of the stock market should be smiling, because history has been smiling on dividend investors for decades. Hartford Funds found that going back to 1960, 69% of the total return of the SP500 index can be attributed to reinvested dividends. I mean, look at this chart. If you'd invested $10,000 into the SP500 in 1960, then today that would be worth 641 grand. Not bad. But if you had been reinvesting your dividends, then your portfolio would be worth over $4 million today. And that alone should make you smile, regardless of what your portfolio is doing right now. You'll find that the more you learn about dividend investing, the more you'll realize that you can win in any type of market. Like take a gander at this analysis by Hartford Funds, which shows dividends contribution to total return by decade. What you'll see is that during decades where the stock market and economy sucks, dividends become a larger part of your overall returns. Like in the 1940s, dividends were 67% of overall returns. 67 freaking percent. In the 1970s, dividends were 73% of total returns. Hartford said that dividends played a large role in terms of their contribution to total returns during the 1940s, 1960s, and 1970s, aka decades in which total stock returns were lower than 10%. 
By contrast, dividends played a smaller role during the 1950s, 1980s, and 1990s when average total returns for the decade were well into double digits. So the optimist in me sees reasons to celebrate in any market condition. When markets are falling, my dividends are doing more for me and that makes me smile. When markets are going up, my portfolio is also going up and that makes me smile. Heck, this year, where most people seem to think the world is headed into a huge recession, well that means you dividend investors will probably hold up better than anyone else. Now that doesn't mean that dividends are guaranteed, but as long as you own a diverse basket of quality blue chip dividend companies that sell products that people rely on and need, then you as an owner should keep getting your share of the profits. If the everything bubble explodes and Rome burns around you, you'll keep smiling all the way to the bank as your dividends keep flowing in and you're not having to sell any shares. But let me show you some simulations for how dividend snowballs can do in various types of markets to really bring home the point. I'll use a tool I built in my dividend spreadsheet product called the Portfolio Growth Simulator. So let's pretend you invested $10,000 into quality dividend stocks that have an average weighted dividend yield of 3%, an average weighted dividend CAGR of 7%, and let's assume this is in a Roth, so taxes are at 0%, and let's assume we're down to a 2% inflation, which is the Fed target inflation rate. Let's also assume that share prices are going up 5% a year and that you're investing $200 a month into that portfolio. What we see is that in the first year, your portfolio would be worth $10,000 and you'd yield $300 a year in dividends. By year 10, your portfolio would be worth 51K if you've been reinvesting dividends and you'd be yielding $1,537 a year. By year 20, your dripping portfolio would be worth 148K and you'd be yielding $4,437 a year in dividends. But now instead of assuming the stock market is going up 5% a year, let's instead assume it goes up 0% a year, aka it's going sideways. Now we see that at year 10, the dripping portfolio is worth about 40k, instead of the 51k it was when share prices were increasing 5% a year, and we see it would be yielding $1,846 a year in dividends, as opposed to the 1500-ish in the first example. At year 20, this portfolio would be worth 104k, and would be yielding $7,883 a year in dividends. So the dividend investor is still happy because even though his portfolio value would be about 30% less in a market going sideways for 20 years, his dividend income is estimated to be 77% higher. What's happening is that those depressed stock prices keep letting the drip buy more and more, and so your income grows faster and faster, keeping you smiling, even when people are sad that their non-dividend stocks have done absolutely nothing for two decades. Now let's see what happens if we went into a massive downturn and the stock market kept losing 5% a year for decades. Now at year 20, we see that that portfolio is 101k, which is only slightly less than the 104k in the sideways market. And why is that? Well, because even though share prices were decreasing each year, our drip was able to overcome that downward portfolio value due to being able to buy more shares faster, which in turn pushed up portfolio value. And now at year 20, you would be yielding over $20,000 a year in dividends. Is that likely? Probably not. Nor is it likely that a quality company's dividend yield would keep shooting up due to prices going down and dividends going up. But hey, Exxon recently hit a 12% yield, so maybe 20% isn't completely impossible. The main point is that a dividend investor finds things he or she wins about in every market condition. Think about that the next time you hear someone say that dividends don't matter. Come on, do you really think that companies would be returning so much cash to shareholders in the form of dividends if they didn't matter? I mean, companies that are run by some of the best leaders in the world, graduating from the most prestigious colleges with credentials and experiences that are amongst the best of the best, leading up places like Apple and Microsoft and Johnson and Johnson and such? Do you think those CEOs and boards are paying out dividends because they're idiots? Or maybe they're doing it because they realize that investors value them? 
Maybe dividends do matter a little bit, and that's why some of us prioritize dividend companies over non-dividend companies, which also helps explain why dividend stocks tend to outperform non-dividend stocks on average over long periods of time. The beauty of quality dividend stocks is that when bubbles are bursting, more investors jump into safe, conservative blue-chip dividend stocks. Like after the dot-com bubble burst, investors focused their attention on dividends. When the financial crisis hit, once again dividends became more compelling to folks. People flee to safety in defensive stocks when the S hits the fan. Take a gander at this chart that shows the average returns of various types of dividend companies and non-dividend companies over the last 50 years. What you'll find is that companies that either started a dividend and or grew their dividend had the best overall returns in the market, averaging 10.24% per year. The worst performing stocks, on average, were those that didn't pay a dividend, averaging minus 0.6% per year. So the people who say they hate dividends are unfortunately probably shooting themselves in the foot. But you dividend investors should be smiling right now. So when someone says there's no reason to invest in dividend stocks, because all that happens is that a company's stock price falls on the ex-date, well you might want to remind them that even with all that being said, dividend stocks have tended to outperform non-dividend stocks, on average, over long periods of time. And while past performance doesn't guarantee future performance, it's logical to me why dividend companies have outperformed. I mean, most dividend companies tend to be established companies that have been around for a long time. They have weathered the storms of economic cycles and world events and have shown their staying power. In my experience, it seems that eventually almost all companies pay dividends as a way to return profits to their shareholders. So to the investor who says they hate dividends, I wish them the best, but I'll keep owning companies like Procter & Gamble and McDonald's and Johnson & Johnson. But hey, you do you. Now sure, even though dividend stocks tend to outperform as we saw, I actually think it can make sense to invest in non-dividend companies that you really believe in. That being said, I'm now long only dividend companies and I love the fact that each share I buy becomes productive and cash flowing within months. I remember holding some non-dividend companies through the last decade and trust me it sucks to see your prices go sideways for 10 years without getting dividends. Nothing to smile about there. Anyways, another reason you should be smiling as a dividend buy and holder is that history shows us the people who constantly buy and sell stocks based on trying to guess what the market will do are the ones that tend to lose out. Like look at this analysis from quantifiedstrategies.com where they compared buy and holding versus market timing. What they concluded was that buy and hold investing is basically easier to outperform on than concentrating apparently because the markets tend to go up and being out of the markets on the wrong days will hurt you. Of course, being out on the right days can help you, but given markets trend up, there's probably a higher likelihood of being out on the good days as opposed to being out on the bad days. It's kind of like my friend who pulled his stocks out of the market right after the pandemic hit and then missed out on the massive rally we had. Timing the market is too tough, and I've never met anyone who can consistently do it right. Stock traders also have a higher likelihood of making emotional decisions due to fear and FOMO, whereas buy and holders tend to hold the line more because of their very strategies not to constantly get in and out of positions. Us dividend investors tend to ride the storms, often experiencing less stress because we continue to accumulate more assets and continue to see our income trend up. That buy and hold simplicity explains why us dividend investors should be smiling right now. And it shouldn't be too hard to understand why people tend to do well using a buy and hold investing strategy. I mean the same thing often happens with real estate investing. If you buy decent real estate, then over the long run prices tend to go up. You don't need to constantly be selling your properties and buying cheaper ones. You can just buy a quality property, ideally at a decent price, and then just keep collecting rents as the decades go on. Bottom line, think about Charlie Munger's favorite quote that the big money is not in the buying and selling, but in the waiting. Traders have to be sitting at their computers, stressfully getting in and out of positions, while us dividend investors can use our most precious asset in the world, our time, and do other things. 
Plus, the less you trade, the less mistakes you tend to make. The likelihood of you doing something wonky is less as a dividend investor, because we aren't hyper-focused at trying to sell a stock at its peak. Okay, and another reason dividend investors should be smiling in 2023 comes down to the fact that generally speaking, we tend to be more defensive investors, and we are often overweight in the sectors that do better during periods of bad economic performance, and right now there are many predictions that we will go into a massive recessionary period. So let's take a look at how the various stock sectors performed in the 2008 financial crisis to see what we can learn. So take a look at this chart from Novel Investor. Each column from left to right is another year, going from 2008 to 2022. Each box in each column represents a sector of stocks, with the boxes on top being the best performing ones. And as you might expect, in 2008, every sector was negative for the year. Consumer Staples aka Cons was the best performing sector in 2008, which means it was the least worst. And we see that it dropped 15.4% on average, and then in the middle of the column we see that the SP500 dropped 37% that year, and then at the bottom of the list aka the worst performing sector was understandably financials, which dropped 55.3%. And why would consumer staples drop the least? Well, think about it. Staples are things you generally need, so even if the stock market crashes and people are laid off and the economy is tanking, companies that sell toilet paper and toothpaste and such are going to keep selling them. So yes, consumer staple stocks fell, but they fell less than other sectors. What was the next best performing sector after consumer staples? Well, we see that healthcare was the next sector that held up better than others, which also makes intuitive sense. If you need medicine, then you need it, regardless if the stock market is crashing or if you lost your job or whatever. You need band-aids when you need band-aids, regardless of what's happening in the world. So healthcare tends to hold up better than other stocks in hard times. And then what was the third best performing sector? In this case, we see that it was utilities, which were down 29% for the year, which is bad, but at least it's better than the overall SP500 that fell down 37%. So why do things like utilities hold up beyond them being things people need, regardless of the economy? Well, listen to Warren Buffett who said, We see change as the enemy of investments, so we look for the absence of change. We don't like to lose money. Capitalism is pretty brutal. We look for mundane products that everybody needs. And that helps explain why some of those sectors hold up better during bad times. Now, to be fair, I think that some change is good, and there is money to be made as new technologies evolve. Like, I agree that the age of AI is upon us, just like the age of the internet hit us in the 90s. I think AI's changes will be faster than the internet's adoption was, but I also think that with high expectations can also mean short-term pain if the horse gets ahead of the cart. I mean, we saw how the internet blew up, but became a bubble too quickly and then it popped. And then sure enough, the companies which managed to survive became the big tech boys on the block. I imagine a lot of AI stocks will follow a similar path. Regardless, my dividend stocks like Apple and Microsoft I think are well positioned to capitalize on AI. So shouldn't all that cause you to smile? Well, I guess it depends on your perspective, as your perspective will frame most anything going on in life. You can either be a negative Nelly that your stocks are down, or you can be happy that your stocks are producing cash flow now, maybe even because your defensive stocks are losing less than others. Heck, you should be happy that you're in a position to even own stocks. You should be happy that you're smart enough to realize that you should be investing. My point is that you should always try to find the silver lining in things. Look, maybe you got laid off, and that sucks. It's scary but maybe you'll find a job that pays you more where you no longer have that toxic boss. Maybe you'll start something new and exciting. The fact that you are even born and exist in this world is amazing. I read the odds of you existing is only 1 in 400 trillion. Those are quite the odds against your existence, and yet here you are. You've already won the lottery of life, so smile. 
To frame how rare one in 400 trillion is, that means if you started a business today and you made a million bucks every day, 365 days a year, it would take you 2,723 years to make one trillion, which means it's like a million years of a million a day to make around 400 trillion. So it's understandable and normal to feel stressed sometimes and feel down and depressed, but try to find things you're grateful for no matter how small. Be grateful that maybe you can see or smell or touch, that you can breathe without it hurting perhaps. Find things to smile about even in the dark. Anyways, most dividend investors tend to be conservative investors in the first place, which is why we often go heavier into boring old stocks and sectors. And we saw that consumer staples, healthcare, and utilities were the three best performing sectors in the financial crisis. Let's take a look at the overall market's current sector weightings. So here in VTI, we see that staples is 5.5% of stocks, healthcare is 13.6%, and utilities are 3.1%. So those three sectors make up 22.2% of the market. Now let's take a look at the sector weightings of my dividend portfolio. I normally break out my SIN stocks from consumer staples, but in this screenshot I aggregated them since they're formerly part of staples. And we see that I'm 29.9% staples, 11.7% healthcare, and 6.6% utilities. So 48.2% of my stocks are in sectors that probably will hold up better as recessions hit us, versus the overall market that's at 22.2% of the stocks in those sectors. Now it's important to realize that that will also probably mean that when we're in bull years, I'll lag the overall market. But again, my perspective is I'm happy I own what I own, and I'm okay if I do worse or better than the overall market in whatever scenario. Sometimes I'll do better, sometimes I'll do worse, and that's how the cookie crumbles. If you watched my video called, How Did My Dividend Portfolio Do in 2022? You saw how I basically went sideways, even though the SP500 fell about 18%. So results like that should bring a smile to your lips. But again, even if your dividend portfolio tanked, you should still be smiling about the path you're on. Okay, another reason dividend investors should be smiling is when they look at this other analysis from Novel Investor that looked at overall returns of various asset classes over the last 15 years. In this case, the boxes are for large cap stock returns, small cap stock returns, REITs, bonds, and cash returns, broken out by years, and then the far right column are the total returns over those years. And what we see is that large cap US stocks had the best overall performance at a 254% total return from 2008 to 2022. Cash was the worst performing asset class with about a 10% overall return, so 1 25th of the large cap US stock returns. The second to worst performing asset class they tracked were emerging market stocks at only a 16% return, followed by international developed stocks at a 40% return, and then high grade bonds at a 48% return. So given that us dividend investors tend to be in conservative blue chip US dividend stocks, we should keep smiling because history shows us that we outperformed. Or look at this total returns by asset class list from themeasureofaplan.com from 1985 to 2022. So basically the last 40 years. With that longer time frame, now we see that emerging stocks had an 11.1% annualized return on average, doing the best, whereas US large cap stocks were second best with a 9.4% annualized return. Another great performing asset class was REITs at 8.3% annualized return, which is another area dividend investors are often long in. Now the worst performing asset class over that long time frame was gold at a 2.6% annualized return on average from 1985 until 2022. Ouch. But whether we look at the last 15 years or the last 40 years, our asset classes was at the top or near the top of the list. And if you're not smiling after all of that data, then maybe you need to get some joker plastic surgery or something. You really should be smiling because you don't have the fear that many retirees have, which is outliving their portfolio in retirement, because they're selling shares to generate cash. Now that doesn't mean you should never sell, and I did an entire video on reasons why I'd sell a stock, 
but investing in stocks with the intent to hold forever is a much nicer way of living, at least in my opinion. Regardless, as a young person I wouldn't obsess over whether something has a dividend or not, but instead just focus on identifying companies that you believe will have long-term growth potential. If you need some ideas for stocks to invest in, there's an interesting tool on Seeking Alpha called Top Dividend Stocks, which ranks a variety of stocks based on their quant rating, which algorithmically assesses over 100 metrics for each stock, including things like financials, price performance, future earnings estimates, etc. On a free Seeking Alpha account, it blocks out what the stocks are, like this. But I've paid for a premium account for years since I really value Seeking Alpha. And premium lets you see all the block-free account stuff. So here I set my premium account to dark mode. You can see they call out companies like Marathon Petroleum, Vici Properties, Parker Hannifin, and then a bit more down the list we see Philips 66, ConAgra Brands, Realty Income, Caterpillar, and others. So some of those I like and I'm long in, others I don't know if I'd be interested in. And then back on the free account, you can see how lots of great data is locked, like this dividends tab, as is earnings, valuation, growth, performance, momentum, profitability, risk, ownership, and debt. Let's take a look at just the dividends tab on my premium account. Now we see lots of useful dividend information on those high quant rating stocks like X-date, pay-date, trailing 12-month yield, estimated forward 12-month yield, four-year average yield, and then if we click to the right we get trailing 12-month dividend, forward estimated dividend, payout ratio, four-year average payout ratio, three-year dividend CAGR, five-year dividend CAGR, and consecutive years of dividend increases. So you can sort the dividend data by consecutive number of years or whatever, and you get lots of in-depth valuable information across so many views of data that is locked for the free accounts. Thus, if you don't have Seeking Alpha Premium, then I encourage you to sign up, as I've gotten a ton of value out of it, and you can use my affiliate link that's in the description of this video, as well as in the pinned comment. I've been paying $249 a year for premium for multiple years, because I was too stupid to use someone's link when I signed up, though if you use mine, then it's apparently only $99 for one year, and then it goes up to whatever price they're charging a year from now, though of course you can always cancel. That being said, when you click on my link, they might be offering some other deal, though the $99 one is the best one I've seen. I've heard they're going to change it, so if you're interested, do it now. Anywho, now I'd normally finish things off by shouting out my latest Patreon aristocrats and kings, but I'm still sold out, so I apologize to people who've been asking me about when more seats will open up. We've been reprogramming some stuff on my spreadsheet to make it more scalable so I can open up more seats, so hopefully at some point in the future I can do that. Regardless, if you made it this far in the video, then please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. Finally, I highly recommend that you join my free dividend Discord chat server, which has over 10,000 dividend investors on it from around the world. Thanks for watching, keep smiling, and I'll talk to you again real soon. I am not a financial advisor, and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I am only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments.